0: As we open God's word together, let's ask him to bless it to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, our eyes long for your salvation and for the fulfillment of your righteous promise. We ask you to deal with your servants according to your steadfast love and teach us your statutes. We are your servants. Give us understanding that we may know your testimonies. And hear our prayers, for we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. And please turn with me in God's word to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And our text for this evening will be verses 24 through 31. Uh, But we'll begin our reading at verse 19 to get the important context. So John chapter 20 beginning at verse 19, but particularly thinking about Jesus and Thomas in verses 24 through 30. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of, his, of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thus far the reading of God's word, may he bless it to us. Um, Thomas gets a bad rap in scripture because what do we always remember him for? For doubt, right? Um, We could play a kind of game with people in the Bible. You know, If I said faith, who would you think of? You might think of Abraham as the father of the faithful. If I said, think of someone strong, you might say Samson. Um, If I said, think about someone doubting, everyone would say Thomas. Um, Of course, Thomas should be known for more than just his doubt, for his wonderful confession of faith that he makes, Um, but that's how we remember him, Um, and this account is very important because it reminds us of the importance of faith, Um, It reminds us how difficult it is to believe Sometimes, even when you've been closely connected to Jesus, and just how crucial faith is uh, for all of us, um, the basis for our belief in Christ and um, the life that comes from believing in him, that's, that's, that's sort of uh, brought home to us in this passage. And so we want to think about this and think about this important uh, context that we are given here. Uh, faith in Christ is how his redemptive work becomes ours. That's the point that question 20 of the Catechism makes. Um, are, all, are all people then saved through Christ just as they were lost through Adam? If everyone died in Adam, does everyone just come to life in Christ? And the answer is important: No, only those who are saved who, through true faith, are engrafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. So we want to think about true faith in the context of Thomas's story, um, and hopefully in the future maybe we'll be easier on Thomas. And not think of him so much as doubting Thomas, uh, but as believing Thomas and confessing Thomas. Uh, We see Thomas putting his faith in Christ. And the story is very interesting and important because first it's the story of persistent unbelief. Um, He will not believe. That's the initial story of Thomas. Uh, But then of a powerful confession uh, when Jesus appears and calls Thomas. And John tells us that these stories serve a perpetual purpose in the life of God's people and so we want to think about that so that's how we want to think about this text together persistent unbelief powerful confession and perpetual purpose Um, we first begin with persistent unbelief Our we began reading in verses 19 through 23 of this wonderful post-crucifixion appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ that's the important context of this story more broadly Jesus was crucified He was dead, and now he appears to the disciples alive, right? That's the significance of him showing them his hands and feet and his side. He still is showing evidence of his crucifixion, but he is no longer dead, but alive. Alive and appearing to those who love him, and it's a wonderful, glorious story of his appearing. Um, And he appears, and he speaks peace to them, And once they understand who it is who's speaking peace to them, they are glad to see uh, the Lord. And so it's a wonderful story. And in verse 24, we're told there was one of the disciples who was not there. And now we don't know why Thomas wasn't there. We're just told that Thomas wasn't there with the rest of the disciples when this event happened. So you can imagine that all of these guys who spent so much time together, the first time they get back together with Thomas after this wonderful experience, what do they tell him? Well, they tell him what happened. Uh, They share with him the good news that we have seen the Lord and probably recount the events of verses 19 through 23 for Thomas and tell the story of the Lord appearing and what he said to them and what they saw. And how he said, you know, you're going to go forth and be my witnesses. And Thomas says, great, I don't believe a word of it. I don't believe you. Um, This is not how you would write the story, right? You would write it so he believes, and they all go happily ever after together, believing and bearing witness to this wonderful truth. But he says, I don't believe it. Uh, Now, this is the third time in the Gospel of John Thomas has been introduced kind of on his own, uh, where where he features in the story. And it's interesting to think of this as sort of the third time we've heard from Thomas, um, the first time we heard from him in the Gospel of John is when Jesus was going to go to, to raise Lazarus from the dead. And the disciples were saying, you know, if we go, the, the Jews are after you. They want to put you to death. It's dangerous for you to go. If you go, you could be killed. Um, and it's Thomas who says in John eleven sixteen, we read, So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. Uh, So there's a certain loyalty that Thomas has shown thus far in the Gospels. He's been highlighted for being willing to go with Jesus, even if that meant dying with him. Uh, Thomas is not someone who is sort of wishy-washy in his commitment to Jesus, right? He's willing to go and die with him. Um, We also see Thomas appear again when Jesus speaks those wonderful words in John 14, verses 3 through 5. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Um, So it's an important question that Thomas puts to the Lord there. And it's thanks to Thomas's question that we have the wonderful words of Jesus from an earthly perspective, Thomas, I am the way. And the truth and the life. Those words were spoken to Thomas. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To this point, Thomas has been pictured as someone who is loyal, but who does have an inquiring mind And when he's brought up this third time, we might easily wonder what is the purpose of his introduction here. But we might not have been expecting that he would not believe. That he would be so persistent in his unbelief. um, As they describe the circumstances to him and, and lay it all out. He hears it all and then he says, I don't believe you. In fact, what his answer really reveals that he's saying to them, What you just told me is too fantastic for anyone to believe. Who would believe what you just said, absent evidence? You know, he basically says he couldn't believe such a story unless he was able to put his hands in the nail holes and his hand in Jesus' side. He essentially says, if I could do that, then I would believe the story. That you just told me. But your word is not enough. And even the way he sort of frames that is a kind of condition that he expects could never be fulfilled. The way he says it to them is sort of the way we say, I'll believe that when pigs fly. Right, you believe that to be a condition that you'll never see. If you see it, please call me, I'd love to see it. But we don't expect to see pigs flying. Right, we're saying that, could never, that will never happen. That's the way Thomas says that. Yeah, I, okay, I'll believe that if I can put my fingers in the nail holes. If I can do that, I'll believe this. Otherwise, I won't believe. And his statement of unbelief is really persistent. Um, in the Greek, the force of the verb with the disciples, it, it sounds like they attempted to tell him. They kept trying to tell him what happened. And he is persistent. I will certainly not believe that about as strongly as you can say it. I will never believe that. Um, And, you know, it might have thought, you might have thought that all those disciples say, well, you know, this job of being Christ's witnesses is not starting off very well if we can't even get Thomas to believe us. Um, He's showing a certain lack of confidence in his friends that they actually tell the truth. Um, But, you know, I think it's helpful because we we still face that today. Or people will say, I can't trust your word on that. Um, Those are all wonderful claims you make about the Lord and about who the Lord is and what he's done. Those are all wonderful claims, but I need some evidence. Absent some evidence, I can't believe that. I can't simply take your word for it. Um, I would need hard evidence to believe that. Uh, You know, those kinds of people are legion in the world. Richard Dawkins and the New Atheists. Absent some actual scientific empirical proof, I couldn't believe something like that. They require proof that they believe to be non-existent. Um, I will never believe that. So what do we do? Where do we go from there? How do we ever get past that with people? Um, And this story is something of the key to that. Uh, How can you get past that with people? What has to happen for someone to believe? Jesus has to appear to them. Jesus has to reveal himself to them. And that's what he does to Thomas. How does Jesus respond to his persistent unbelief? Um, he shows up. And he essentially recreates the scene that the disciples had already faced eight days before, a week before. And so Jesus comes and essentially the scene is repeated, right? The day is eight days later, so it's the same day. It's Sunday. The circumstances are the same. They're all together with the doors locked. The appearance is the same. Suddenly, Jesus is standing in their midst. The words are the same. Jesus says, peace be with you. The only thing that changes is he addresses Thomas directly. And he knows what Thomas has said. And he invites Thomas to do the very thing that he thought was impossible. And says to Thomas in verse 27, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. He tells Thomas to do exactly what Thomas said, I would need to do that you can't do. Um, He invites him to do that very thing. He's willing to meet what Thomas thought was expressing an absurd condition. And what's interesting is we're not told that Thomas did it. You notice that? There's no suggestion in this story that Thomas had to actually do that. I don't know how you see this event playing out in your mind's eye, but there's You know, it's easy to say, well, you know, that Jesus offers this and Thomas does it, then Thomas believes, but none of that is told in John's account. All Jesus has to say to Thomas is, believe. And what does Thomas do in response? He answers him, my Lord and my God. Um, This is a far more powerful confession uh, than has been made about the Lord um, by almost anyone else in the whole book. Thomas recognizes him to be both the Lord and God. Um, You might have, if you've ever had a conversation about Jehovah's Witnesses, they will say to you that Thomas said to Jesus, my Lord, and then said, my God, in praise of what God had done. That's not what happens here. He calls him both Lord and God. Uh, That's what Jesus has done for Thomas. Thomas. For the one who said, I will never believe. I will certainly not believe this. All Jesus has to do is speak a word to him and command him to believe and Thomas believes. And this should be encouraging to us because we see the wonderful patience that the Lord has with his people. Of all the people who should have believed this, Thomas should have believed it. Thomas had a front row seat to everything that Jesus did. Thomas himself went out two by two with the disciples and did marvelous things and performed marvelous works in Jesus' name. Thomas heard Jesus say, I will have to go to Jerusalem and be killed and on the third day rise again. He of all people should have heard all of these things and he wasn't convinced. And we see Jesus' patience with his people. Um, Patience with Thomas rather than cast him out for his doubt, he comes to remove the doubt. He comes to make himself known to Thomas so that Thomas would not disbelieve but believe. And it's the presence of the Lord that dispels those doubts. It's the presence of the Lord that makes all the difference between one who does not believe and one who believes. He doesn't need to touch Jesus to believe. He needs to hear Jesus to believe. That's the glory of this story. He believes on the basis of hearing that word and seeing Jesus revealed to him. That's what causes all the doubt to vanish. It's a reminder of what will happen when Christ appears in glory at his second coming. All doubt of who he is will vanish. He will be seen to be who he is, both Lord and Christ, God Almighty, right? There will be no doubt then, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess on the earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It's a a revelation of that truth, right? But what the Lord Jesus wants is for people to believe that while there's still time to be saved, while today is the day of salvation. All people will see it. And some will rejoice who know the Lord and have been waiting for him and longing for his appearing. We will rejoice at his appearing. Um, And there's others who will wail on account of him. And ask the mountains to fall on them and bury them. And ask the earth to swallow them up so they might be hidden because the day of the Lord has come. What the Lord wants is for us to see and hear Christ now. To embrace him by faith to believe this word. In a wonderful way, this confession brings the gospel of John full circle. Thomas has come to see what John professed to be the truth at the beginning of his gospel. Where did John's gospel begin? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.18, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And now what does Thomas see? Not just with his physical eyes, but with the eyes of faith that the Spirit has opened for him He sees that Jesus is both Lord and God. And not just Lord and God, but my Lord and my God. That's what faith does. It makes that truth personal. Um, The other disciples had believed it. Now Thomas believes it. And seeing and believing is an important reality for the disciples. Because they go out into the world asking people to believe on the basis of what they have seen. They go out as eyewitnesses to the world of what they have seen in Jesus. Um, Faith is not a leap in the dark. Faith is believing the testimony of Christ. The testimony he has left about himself through the witnesses he has given us. Um, They went into the world and spoke the truth of what they saw. And served as eyewitnesses to that truth. Um, And all of these apostles went out and did this. And that is the way the Lord has ordered things because there is a time coming when he will go out of the world not to be physically seen in the world anymore. And he will leave them behind as witnesses to witness for him about the kingdom. And they will go forth and tell people what they've seen and urge them to believe as they have believed that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, And that there is no other way to be saved but by Him. That's what they will go out in the world to do. To continue to bear witness that Jesus Christ, this man, was truly God, our Savior. Um, That's what they'll go forth in the world to do. And passages like this and the witness that they have left us continue to serve a perpetual purpose in the world. That's the wonderful thing about what John says in verse 30 of the passage. Why has Jesus ordered things this way? Why has Jesus left this witness? Um, It's a wonderful statement of purpose that John leaves us in verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, in that by believing, you may have life in his name. It's a wonderful thing to see Jesus and believe, but that will not always be the case where people can see him physically and believe. Uh, That time is coming to an end when God God is going to send his disciples forward in the power of the Holy Spirit to bear witness to him. He's not always going to be seen in the world. And so what is the apostolic witness for? To bring forth what they've seen so that people would continue to believe. They're going to be charged with going out into the world and establishing the witness to Christ in the world and to tell and to testify to what they've believed. And I find it interesting to think of Thomas after this event as an evangelist. And as all of us who've done, tried any kind of evangelism have probably encountered, someone saying the very thing that Thomas said. Well, I'd have to see that to believe it. I wonder how many times Thomas encountered that and could say to them, you know, I used to say the same thing myself. And then I saw him. Um, You know, Thomas could say that as an eyewitness, and I wonder how many times he ran into that problem and thought, you know, I wish Jesus would just show up. It worked for me. Um, But that time is not the most for the time in the church. Mostly we're called to hear. And to be shown Jesus through the eyes of faith, through what has been written by the Spirit and testified to in the world by his servants, that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that's the encouraging thing about this passage, is that Jesus leaves his disciples for that purpose so that there will be people who do not see And yet believe. Right? That's that's Christ's word to Thomas. Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen. And yet have believed. Uh, We might not have seen Jesus. But we had to have Jesus revealed to us. By the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit wrought reality. To come to realize who Jesus is. uh, To understand the purpose for which his testimony has been set into the world. Um, that The time of the apostles was one where they saw him. The time of the church is one where we will see him through the eyes of faith, through the witness that he's left, whose testimony is recorded for us. And that's what true faith is. That's why question 21 says, true faith is not only a sure knowledge by which I hold as true, all that God has revealed in his word. Where do we see Jesus now? We see him revealed to us in his word by his spirit. That's where we see Jesus. His appearing to Thomas was appearing to us. That's the witness he's left for us that we would see him through that testimony and hold as true all that God has promised in his word. Um, we're, We're called to believe in that testimony as God's testimony to us. And we're called to know it and to agree with it and to trust it, right? True faith is not only a sure knowledge by which I hold as true all that God has revealed in his word, it is also a wholehearted trust worked in me by the Holy Spirit in the gospel. The Holy Spirit has to work that trust in us, and that's why we should have the encouragement to do evangelism, to preach the gospel in church, to do evangelism with the people that we meet. Because the Holy Spirit can still show them Tom, still show them Christ just as Thomas saw Christ. Right? Christ can make himself known even to the person who says, I will believe that when pigs fly. I will never believe that. The Holy Spirit has the power to shatter that unbelief. And the word has been left for that very purpose to drive home faith in the hearts of people. And that really is all that we're called to do is just repeat that apostolic testimony. Repeat what we find in the Word. Repeat that truth. And trust that it still has the same power it's always had. That was John's hope in writing. Right, That's what he says in verse 30. My hope is this will do for you what it did for me and what it did for Thomas and what it's done for so many others that we've brought the word to. Why are these things written? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So you may come to the same place we've come. That's the purpose of the gospel. That's the purpose of its writing. That's the perpetual purpose of these things in the church. Right? They're written for who? For whom? They're written for whom? They're written for you. Is that remarkable? It's written for you and for me. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He wanted this word to get to you. The same way he appeared to get specifically at Thomas. He wanted this word to get to you. To get to you whether you're sitting here hearing it, whether you're watching it on TV, whether you stumble across it years from now on the church website or on YouTube or some other thing. To know that the word is trying to find you. That's why these things are written. Because God wanted it to find you. And what did he want for you? That you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. That you would believe he is the anointed one of God. The true and eternal king. The only high priest. The only prophet. Who speaks to us the word of truth. The only savior. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. The son of God. For what purpose in the end? So that by believing, you would have life in his name. Why does he want you to believe? Because he wants you to live. Right? That was the problem to persist in unbelief is to die. And so why does Jesus want his witness heard and believed in? Because he wants you to to live. And that is the thing that has the power to break through to people, to know that the God of heaven cares about you. We live in a pretty callous world where people just don't care. Just this morning, I heard Chevy Chase being interviewed on Sunday morning on CBS. And You know, they were talking about, you know, if you kind of had a controversial career and you're not very popular with certain people that you've worked with, you have this sort of reputation. He said, I don't care what people think about me. I don't care. Um, Now, there's a certain amount of strength in not spending all of your time uh, caring what other people think about you. But if you don't care what anybody thinks about you, that's pretty sad. Um, We live in a world where a lot of people just don't care. Um, And the word of God comes to us and says, you know, God in heaven cares about you. He doesn't want you to die. And left to ourselves, we're on the road to death. Are all those saved just in Christ, just as those who all died in Adam? No, only those who put their faith in him. He wants you to live. And how do you live? By believing in Jesus Christ. That's what God wants for us. For us to believe in him that we might have life in his name. To believe that this person who walked the earth 2,000 years ago was God incarnate. Who came with a mission from his father to save you from your sins. And that by dying on the cross, nails going into those hands, into those feet, a spear going into that side, that death accomplished your salvation. and That he died for your sins and that he was raised for your justification and he ever lives now to intercede for you. He is Christ, the Son of God. And that he wants you to believe so that all those benefits that are his may become yours. To know that God has freely granted not only to others, but to me also forgiveness of sins, eternal righteousness, and salvation. These gifts are purely of grace only because of Christ's merit. His wounds speak to his death that brings forgiveness his life speaks to the resurrection and what does he want it to be for us life and peace so that there will be gladness you see how that worked for the disciples they saw him he spoke peace to them and they were glad that's what the lord wants for us to be rejoicing in the life that he has provided for us out of no merit of ours, but only out of the merit of Christ and what he's done for us so that we would have life in his name. That is the good news of Jesus Christ, that he came into a dark and dead world to bring life and light. And he doesn't want you to miss it. Um, And just as he continued to drive into Thomas until he believes, So we pray the Holy Spirit would do for you. That if you're here and that you don't believe, you might be driven to faith in Christ. And that if you're here and you do believe, you recognize it was God's mission in the world to bring himself to you so that you would live. And that we would have joy and gladness to know that we have a God in heaven who loves us enough to do that for us. And that understanding that truth, that glorious truth, would drive us to his service. That's why so many of the men who were locked in that room for fear went out to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. And why so many of them died in that witness. They were willing to do it. Because they knew he was the son of God. And that by believing in him, they had life in his name. And it was worth it to go out. And to share that truth so that others would believe even if it cost them their life. This is the truth that fuels the service to know that we have a God who would do this for us. That's why this is written. That's why the church exists. That's why we exist in the world. To bring this good news. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that you have life in His name by believing. By believing. By believing we would have life in his name, may all here know that truth and live and be glad. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this promise that we are blessed because we have not seen and yet believed. We confess that we don't always feel blessed as the people of God as we think about going out into the world Once again, help us to go out being renewed in that sense of blessedness. To know that we've had the eyes of faith open to us by the Holy Spirit. Hearts open to believe and receive in Jesus Christ. To know that in him we have forgiveness of sins, eternal righteousness and salvation purely from his grace. Thank you for that blessing. May we rejoice and be glad in it and may it fuel our service for you in the week to come. And hear our prayers, for we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen.